Welcome to Awake, the sleep apnea podcast brought to you by the American Sleep Apnea Association. Visit us at sleepapnea.org. Today, San Juanita sits down for an interview about her life with undiagnosed sleep apnea and how her life has changed after treatment. This interview was originally recorded in 2019. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Well, I've just been recently diagnosed and I'm just starting to put pieces together mm-hmm. to try to figure out how long was this happening before I got to the point where I was, someone had to tell me, you must go. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that maybe five years ago, I asked my dentist, why are my teeth moving? I had a perfect smile, no gaps, mm-hmm. no, perfect. He even said it was textbook perfect. But I feel my teeth are, are being pushed at night. I wake up with this pain in my teeth like, mm. And it says, well, it's your tongue. It's probably just a real strong tongue. That was about it. I said, well, I am a lawyer. I do need, I do work it out quite a bit. Um, My blood pressure started going up. But, of course, I was an elected official, and I had a lot of stress. So I was sure it was related all to that. Mm -hmm. Um, Stopped being in in, an elected office, and I uh, still had the headaches, and I'm starting to sleep. And the answer was, well, now you've got downtime. So now you're resting from all the stress. And it's like, well, how many naps can I take to make up this? I gained about 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't explain why. Um, I found myself coming home. My practice is a solo practice, but I was always doing interviews, uh, presentations, things that I did as a community leader. So I didn't have time to go home. And I just, once this was, I was going home for my, um, my lunch but I had to sleep at least two hours before mm-hmm. I could wake up to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very odd. Um, my, my days were starting a little later because I had a little bit more time, so I would take my morning breakfast uh, coffee and I would sleep for another about an hour before I could feel like I was trying to wake up. And then it's, it's like, that's so weird, mm-hmm. you know? I was finally noticing this. My concern on my own level, but completely thinking, you know, it's just that I'm so tired from so many years of being under stress every day would explain it, but is I remember talking to my client, and I remember I don't know what I just told my client. I remember my, my sister was with me, says, you slur. I said, of course I don't slur. I hear everything I say. Hmm. And I remember my client's kind of looking at me, and I'm, I'm thinking, what kind of horror? Is it your, your lawyer's falling asleep while you're telling <laughs> your story, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I realized that I couldn't be at the office enough. Yeah. And I would say that as, as time started progressing, I started making arrangements in my office to remove furniture, uh, desks and files so I could bring in a sofa because uh-huh. I needed to sleep. Yeah. I remember uh, I have done it really often. I would move the chairs and go to bed in my, my floor and yeah. my, my office to sleep, yeah. being at the computer and I'm asleep. Um, so I would say that in February or so is when I started having this incredible sensation. Like all I can say is it was here. Mm-hmm. And I started believing and knowing that I was dying. That's all I could explain. I believe that you have sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And he talked to me about what some of those effects. He goes, because you need to do something. Mm-hmm. It says, because it can be fatal. Sure. Um, and that's when things, that's when I finally took, um, the, I didn't take the initiative. They took the initiative for me because when he came to speak to me, he had a doctor's appointment with for me got me the date, and then him and his wife gave me, um, gave me a, an envelope with money, says, there's no excuses, mm-hmm. you're going. So um, I understand that um, you, you might have used the, this uh, uh, ca- 
CAP program to get? Uh, I did yeah. because um, you know when after the visits after the testing, they told me you're going to need a machine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to cost you eight hundred dollars. I'm a private pay. I don't have insurance. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I, I don't have 800s in my pocket right now, so I'm going to have to figure this out so I can come back when I'm ready to pay for that. But I'm like, if I'm this severe, and that's when I said, do you not have any options? Is there? Can I rent a machine? You know, we rent everything else. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, oh, well, there is a foundation, and I, you know, and they helped me fill. I can tell you, they helped me fill out the application. Uh, next thing, I talk with the folks, and they says, oh yes, we're going to send it to you. And then it, they send it over. And so that really, I've, my life has been changed. Mm. You know, I've, I feel that my, by my cousin coming forward, by this machine being available sooner than thought, knowing what I've been going through, um, they saved my life. Yeah. So how's your life now? Oh, my gosh. It's, it's just so different. Mm -hmm. I mean, I am awake. I can fight in a courtroom. I can remember what those objections are. <laughs> I can, because, you know, I make my living out of being able to think on my feet. Yeah. And when you're not even thinking, then you realize. I mean, my, I don't need room for a sofa anymore. I need room for another work area because so my practice is being built back up. That's super. It is incredible. Yeah. I, it's like night and day. What are some of the things that don't work um, for your, in your current therapy and what are some of the things that do work? I'm just learning about mm -hmm. this. Uh, what I find is um, I would love to sleep on the, my side. Mm -hmm. uh, I find myself, uh, the challenges are um, learning how to use that machine. You yeah. know, right now I don't know if it's working well or not because I've got an appointment until July to go back and yeah. take the chip and read how it's working. Mm -hmm. um, I started traveling uh, and so now it's, you know, it's the I'm going to be traveling overseas, and mm. so, and those are from I guess minor when you look at them in the short term. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I hear everyone talk about things in the long run, but what it does for me, of course, is great. But the challenges are the movements at night, uh, the the fact that this is going to be something I have to continuously use mm -hmm. now yeah. and learn how to use it, um, and then learn about uh, what kind of machines to use and would be best for me. Yeah, um, and then. Are there anything else that I have that I need to start looking at now that I might not have been aware of yeah. uh, as far as my well-being? So I, I'm so early in it, I'm not sure. Have you started looking at uh, duplication and, and uh, having a, a second mask and, and a hose in case one of them gets crushed? Um, I, I do have extra. Every, when I went to, in to get uh, yeah. fitted, not fitted, but I had a, had a two-week after yep. visit, I asked about that, so they... Um, gave me sites that I have to go to to purchase, mm -hmm. um, and so I have to, one of the one things to keep in mind is now I have to put this in part of my budget. You know, I yeah. so often I'm gonna have to invest in this, and and how do I learn to upgrade mm -hmm. my machine from the one I, I don't have a humidifier, and of course yeah. I'm in a very hot area, so it's I'm learning. Sure, yeah. and I'm not sure what questions to ask yet. Yeah, well, but the next phase for me uh, was to learn how to make sure I had everything in case something went wrong. Yeah, so I lost a, a mask uh, when I was traveling, um, and I was in I was in India, and I didn't have a second mask. And it took me many many days to figure out how See, to get one. See, I hadn't thought about that. Right, I left yes. it on the train station. I, I had it separated in two bags. I lost one of the bags. Oh my! Right, so so now I, I keep a mouth guard, uh, oral appliance in one bag, and I keep the CPAP in a different bag in case one of them you know accidentally gets lost. Mm. Yeah. What That's good of, to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can talk all about it for a while. Um, what kind of advice would you give other people, and, and, and what do you think is like an effective way to help people get over the hump? Because a lot of people don't believe that they, they have a problem. 
I didn't believe I had a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, it took someone to, to just pull me aside and do this to me. So I, I believe one of the major things is outreach. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can ask anybody in the street in my community about diabetes and they can probably rattle off symptoms. Yeah. You know, so they've done a great job in getting that word out. But when it comes to this, I'm, now that I'm in this world, I didn't know anything about it, mm -hmm. or very little. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's extremely important. If it's, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, I've heard it already about the doctors. My doctor doesn't ask me about this. Um, and so I just think that there has to be some kind of integration, um, you know, uh, questionnaire along with the typical, do you have hypertension, anybody in your family, when they give you all these questions, as, you know, is there a way that we can integrate that? Is there mm -hmm. an awareness? Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other is really, I believe, in talking. And I, you know, at, at a layman's uh, way of uh, doing it for me is just, if I can share my story with you, I can prevent what, perhaps, you know, I had a good friend who died at the age of 36. He didn't wake up. You know, and you hear people say that was a great way to die. They died mm -hmm. in their sleep. It's like, no, not when you're 36 and you've got two <laughs> young kids. You know, and yeah. I remember talking to him, and he just, just in talking, he had pr trouble breathing when he was talking to me. Yeah, yeah. Had I known now, then what I know now, would I have been more aggressive in saying, let's do something. Mm -hmm. And so if, if what I'm going through becomes a, uh, you know, one step to open the door to have that conversation, and someone hears something that no one has ever told them, then I, that's what I believe we need to do. It's, yeah. it's gotta be a lot of outreach. You've gotta really be able to speak about this. I wasn't surprised at um, how just a small gesture like you talking to another person um, about sleep apnea and sharing a couple you know, things, stories with them. Uh, sometimes they'll come back and say, you know, I, I, I heard you at that you know, dinner and I did something about it and you saved my life. It, if you do it enough, you'll start hearing people tell you that. And so I, I want to thank you very much for, for being an advocate. Well, thank, I'm, I thank God for the opportunity to have met people who uh, help me is, are helping me in this path. I believe that I still have great purpose in life, and I believe mm -hmm. that my life was saved mm -hmm. uh, a few months ago. Uh, I have turned it around. I am, uh, my doctor also talked and said, you have sleep apnea and you're morbidly obese. Mm -hmm. and kind of walked out the door. <laughs> okay, I need to do something about everything. <laughs> so after that, I I've changed my nutrition. I am Excellent. working and yeah. what I gained in six, seven months, I've lost in about eight weeks. So I am very thrilled about nice. my life has just been turning around. So well, I think thank you so much for making the trip out here. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us today. Visit sleepapnea.org to get more video, audio, and blogged content. Also, you can register at sleepapnea.org to be included in the conversation and updated whenever new programs are available. We hope you all stay safe, we're in this together, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.